Good morning. It's really good to be with you. When I was um, thinking about what do I want to tell my kids every day before they leave the house, I always want to tell them I love them. I also want to tell them that I'm proud of them, that I love where they're at in life. And I also like to tell them what they're good at. And I did, that bolsters their, their confidence as they leave the home to have a parent give them a blessing before they leave. And you know what? Our Heavenly Father wants to bless us every day. And that's kind of been the whole focus of uh, this series called Positive Identity. It's, it shows us who we are in Christ. And I think it's important that each day when we wake up, we recognize and we accept the identity that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. So far, we've learned that I am loved and you are loved, that God knows everything about us and chooses to love us anyway. We've also learned that I'm forgiven, that even though we have sin, even though we, uh, we are estranged from God, God, and, and we deserve his wrath through his grace. He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. So, so he lived the perfect life we couldn't, and he died on the cross to pay a price we couldn't pay so that when we trust in him, totally forgiven completely forgiven as far as the east is from the west so our transgressions have been taken from us through jesus christ we've also learned that we're accepted that uh, we're no longer slaves we're sons we're brought into a family relationship where we have the favor of god we have fellowship with god as our heavenly father and we have the filling of the spirit in us we've also learned that we're secure that with jesus there's no fear of condemnation, God is no longer against us. He's for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Secondly, we've learned that there is no fear of desperation. We have hope. We have hope for eternity. We're no longer in despair. We have a future with Christ. So that even allows us to deal with suffering here on earth and the pain in a broken world with the hope of Jesus Christ. And we've also learned that there's no more fear of separation that God is a loving God and he will be with us for eternity. Even though we go through difficult times, the common phrase, do not be afraid for I am with you, is, is the phrase that reminds us we should have no fear of separation in this world. Well, today we're going to be talking about that picture of significance. And with Christ, I am significant. Now, this sounds kind of prideful, and as I looked at our notes, if you hold up your notes and you look at, I am significant, some some of us just kind of rear back from that and go, oh boy, is this just self-help, or what what is Joe going to talk to us about? There's kind of an uneasiness about that. It's not like we would look in the mirror and go, hey, self, you are significant, you know? (laughs) I like what I see when I look in the mirror, you know? We We aren't to be boastful like that. But you know what? I think our problem is the exact opposite. We don't feel significant. We don't feel like our lives have meaning. And as I talk to more and more people, they want that feeling. They want that picture. They want that perspective of, will my life matter? Will I, will I be involved in significant things? Or am I just part of a process that starts and ends and uh, we have to determine what life means? Is there some larger purpose for my life? Well, Jesus came to give us significance. And you know, Paul says that in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says this, We are His workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this, this word that I've underlined here, workmanship, in the Greek in which the New Testament was written, actually, it, it's, it sounds, this is what it sounds like, poema. Is there ever an English word that sounds like that? Not necessarily sounds, but spelled poem. We get the word poem from masterpiece, which is the literal translation. We are God's masterpiece. We are his crowning achievement as he's the creator. And that's exactly how we're presented in scripture in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, is that we're God's masterpiece. God created and formed out of nothing. He spoke and something came into existence. And he went through all the six days of creation. And on that sixth day, the crowning achievement, he said, let us make man in my own image, in our own image. And so God created them, male and female. He created us in his image. And when God created us all the time before that, he said it was good. But when God created us, he said, very good. And then he rested on the seventh day. And some people think, was God tired when he finished creation? Did he go, Woo, you wouldn't believe this. I'm so exhausted. I need a day off. No, no, that he rested because when an artist steps away from the canvas and rests and pauses, he goes, done, completed. And we were God's crowning completion of all his creation. You have significance because your creator gave you significance. Now, in one sense, we can step away and we go, wow, isn't the human body just a, just a marvelous creation? And we could say, of, you know, all the, all the interesting wonder of the creation of the human body and how even the, from a neurological perspective, how, how fascinating the body is and then how the emotional level, how fascinating. And we can look at it from a humanity perspective. What, but what I think God wants to call us into today is a personal look. You, you have been crafted and I have been crafted for significance in a relationship with God. We're created by God. We're loved and forgiven by Christ and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God calls us unique. I love my dog and it's a near perfect dog. Unless you walk by my house, it'll bark at you. But but it's a near perfect dog. But the dog doesn't have the image of God in him. You do. You have significance in the plan of God. And so significance is found by living in three realities. Because we all, we all desire a life that matters, that makes a difference. And you know, when you step away from meaning and you step away from purpose, as some are in the habit of doing these days, they step away from the whole God picture. I choose not to believe. In other words, there is no one we are ultimately accountable to. And there is no purpose greater than whatever you define your purpose to be in life. When you step away from purpose, you step into despair. You step away from meaning, you go into meaninglessness. And you don't have resources to deal with the reality, realities of life. When your life breaks down, you go, well, it's just meaningless. There's no purpose. You ask larger questions in your pain. And that's why pain screams for purpose. And God gives us that purpose. Your significance is defined by a God who created you. About Christ who died for you. 
and about the spirit who lives in you. God in his word calls us into a life of significance. And it's found by living in these three realities. You're God formed. You're God informed. And you're God transformed. That's your life. You are being called into significance. And that's why Paul would say, you know what? Stop looking at significance the way the world looks at. See, he, he kind of shows his whole resume of, of his position in life, his popularity in life, his power that he had in life, and even his accomplishments in life. But he summarizes it in Philippians 3.8, and he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. See, that's that picture he's saying. He goes, you know, if we, we pour our lives into getting that promotion and having that position in my company or in, or on my campus, wherever it's going to be, or in my community, or if I look at, I need this income level and, and that will make me more significant. So if I raise to a level of popularity or acceptance by people and I follow the polls, all those things are conditional. And if you look at how they're conditional, it really relegates everyone to be at the top one half of 1% of all of society. So very few people in our world system can be significant. There's not room for the rest of us. But in God's plan, we're all called into significance. We're all called into significance. None of us are, you're not beautiful enough to be used by God. No, no, that's not, that's not how God works. Your creator made you beautiful for his purposes. We have significance. So how do I live the significant life? Let's take a look now at the Paul's crowning chapter on significance. It's in Romans chapter 12. Hopefully you brought your Bible so you can see it with your own two eyes. But Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to read down through verse 8. It says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and not individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What is Paul really telling to us, telling us here? He's telling you how you can live with significance. And uh, just in summary, how do you, how do you live in significance? By serving. Serving grows significance. Serving the king grows significance in the kingdom. When you serve, you're called into a life of significance. 
Now, do you want to grow in the gospel? How many of you want to grow in the gospel? Yeah, I do. I want to understand more and more each day that God loves me, that he forgives me, that he accepts me, he secures me, and I'm called into significance. How do you do that? You share it. You share the gospel. You let someone else know about the gospel and you share it. See, when I share the gospel, I see the power of God move from my life to someone else's. I hear someone go, I've never heard that. See, for me, and I hear this all the time, for people even who grew up with a religious background, they go, I don't know, man. I've always seen God as someone I've got to impress, that I've got to do a certain level of performance, that I've got to go to church, I've got to give him the offering, I've got to serve. If I don't serve, then I don't, I don't measure up to him. So you following God always means you trying to be good enough to get in to what he has to give you, that you deserve it, that you earn it. And you're telling me that the gospel is not about that. It's not about, it's not about doing, it's entrusting what's already been done. Stop trying, start trusting, because that's why Jesus came. If you could level up to a measure of of performance, Jesus would not have to come. The cross would be meaningless. But we can't. Can you be perfect? I can be better than other people around me from, depending on the topic, but I can't be perfect. That's why Jesus, the only one who was perfect, came to this world and lived a life you couldn't live. Can you pay for the price of your sin? No, you can't. Some of you think, well, I'm paying for all my bad things I've done. No, if God really wanted to get you, he could cough and you'd be obliterated. No, Jesus died to pay something you couldn't pay for. And I hear this all of all. You mean that's a free gift? It's not under... Yes, people are freed up when they see the gospel. You want to grow in the gospel? Share it. You can learn about the gospel and you can know the gospel, but until you share it, you're, you're not going to grow in it. We got to grow in the gospel. You want to grow in love? Love someone who's difficult to love. Because if you just love the people who look like you and act like you and talk like you and think like you and believe like you, you're just get, that's kind of like self-love. And you're really good at loving yourself. And so it's a, it's a tendency for us just to love people who are like us because we love us. But love someone who doesn't think like you. And then you'll grow in love. When you do that, your capacity to love deepens. You grow deeper in that. You want to grow in patience? Raise children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our kids take us to those levels. They take us to those limits of, wow, I mean, man, it was so much easier, honey, when it was just you and me, you know? Our furniture wasn't messed up. Our carpeting was good. You want to grow up and you don't want to grow in patience. You enter these aliens called children into the home and they tear things apart. And especially if you have a three-year-old in the emotional roller coaster of a three-year-old where they're crying and laughing in the same minute. I mean, that grows us in patience, doesn't it? You want to grow in significance? Serve. Serve the king. And so God has equipped us with this. He has equipped us with gifts. Paul says, offer up your bodies, present your bodies as living sacrifices. God calls us into significance when he calls us to serve. So how do we serve? Well, that's kind of given to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. The first thing we need to realize is that we need to discover our gifts. God has gifted you. He has gifted you with gifts to serve him. We all don't have the same gifts. You have a whole bunch of gifts that I don't have, and I have some gifts that some of you don't have. But the beauty of it is that God has called us all to be one body 
celebrating a variety and many different gifts. And it's kind of like my knife drawer in my kitchen. The most popular knife for me to use is the paring knife. It's about that big. And I cut most of the things that I cut with the little paring knife. But when my wife cooks a roast and I got to cut it, I don't bring out the paring knife. I bring out the big cleaver, okay? The big thing, okay? I don't cut carrots with the big cleaver. It's, it's a different tool that I use. And God has he's fashioned us all together in one big drawer called the church. And he uses us for different functions. But one of us is not more important than the other. We're all called into the work of God. You know what the most important light is in my house? It's the night light. Because when I get up in the middle of the night, use the bathroom or something, or I hear a noise, I need to see. And that little light shows that to me. You know, it's, it's the need determines the function. And God uses all of us. We all need each other in the family of God. We need to discover our gifts. These gifts are talked about in three areas in scriptures. They're talked about in 1 Corinthians, probably one of the most popular ones. Then Romans chapter 12. And then in the book of Ephesians, the gifts are mentioned also. But we all need to discover it. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, he said, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. How do you do that? How do you discover your gift? Well, that's why God has called us to lead the church and to equip the church for service. And, and here at Fellowship, through Connecting Point, which is what David mentioned earlier, we try to connect people and their gifts to the right place for ministry. Because we like to have the right people in the right place for the right reason. And so we'll help you discover your gift. If you've never heard about your gift and don't know your gift, if you have been involved in ministry before and you've moved into the area and you know your gift, we'll try to find the ministry for you. But we want to discover you. So this helps us do this. Now, you can take an online survey on what your spiritual gift is, but it doesn't help us discover you. And we need to know who you are. And so get into connecting point if you don't know your gift so that we can invest you in the right place. Secondly, once you discover your gifts, you need to dedicate your gifts. Paul starts out this whole picture as present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And what you do when you do that is you you say, God, you have gifted me and I could use it for my own glory or I could use it for your glory. I could do it to build my kingdom or I could be, do it to build your kingdom. And, and when you dedicate it, you're going to say, you know what? My gifts, everything you've gifted me with, Lord, I'm going to use for your glory, not my own. And you know what? I even think that if you're a Christian and you have a gift, you may already be using them. You may be using them at a place where you work. You may be using leadership skills in your community or on different groups that you lead. You may use your coaching skills in, on a team or something like that, but you're not dedicating them to the Lord. Every believer needs to have that point where we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And this is not just a, a one-time event. This is an ongoing issue in my life because sometimes I can be pretty impressed with my gifts and I can pat myself on the back. And I can say, I'm doing pretty well. And then I need to realize, no, this is not just, this is not for me. This is for God. We need to dedicate our gifts to him. See, God is the originator. His creatures are imitators. We will imitate either one or two kingdoms. We are the kingdom of this earth or the kingdom of God. 
Will it either be about us or it will be about God? Those are our two options. So your gifts, where your life is directed, if it's just about you, there are your gifts are going to follow you. But if it's going to be about God, your gifts need to be about his kingdom. And then once we discover our gifts and dedicate our gifts, we need to develop our gifts. Paul says it real quickly, succinctly, and actually this could just summarize my whole message this morning. He says, let us use them. In other words, don't keep them on the shelf. Gifts are like muscles. They need to be exercised. You need to exercise your gift. If you've known Jesus for most of your life and you're, you know your gifts, I mean, usually when I talk to people who've known Jesus for a while, they know their gifts, but they aren't always excited about using them. Don't be a couch potato. Don't be a Christian couch potato where you watch things pass you by, where you watch God move, but you don't get in the game. We're called to develop those gifts and, and to use them, to exercise them. You see, it's far better for you to focus on developing your gifts than it is you trying to build up your weaknesses. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. I have gifts that are my strengths. But I also have weaknesses. Like one of these gifts mentioned here in Romans, um, exhortation. That's me. I love to exhort people. I love to see the truth of this scripture, the vision of God for a church, and to call everyone to be a part of that. That's exhortation of, of trying to craft a vision of what your life could look like if you simply trusted Jesus and followed him. That's my gift of exhortation. Administration? That ain't my gift. Now, I still have to pay my bills, okay? And I still have to show up on time. Those are all administrative things that I've got to do. But I'm never going to reach the level with administration that that requires for this church to thrive. That's why I have people around me who have the gift of administration, who love that, who go, what, what other tasks can I do to help today? You know, people who love that. And God is gifted to do that. We all need each other. And, and that it requires us to develop our gifts. Now, typically when you get a job assessment, when they, when they go down and they look at, this is what you're good at, and this is what you're weak at, and you need to develop, uh, you tend to, and I tend to focus on what I'm weak at. Boy, I've, man, I've, I've disappointed someone. They can say 95 good things about me, but the five things they don't like about me, I tend to go, whoa, I've got to really make those five really scream. And the scriptures are saying, no, you need to find other people in your life who can make those happen. Unless they're moral deficiencies, there are work-related issues. You can't, you need other people and you need to work with a team and the church is a team. So instead of just focusing on your weaknesses, guys, develop your gifts, your strengths that God has given you. So we need to discover them. We need to dedicate them. We need to develop them. And finally, we need to deploy them. They need to get off the shelf and into the game. Here, Paul says, if you have prophecy, well, that's exercise that in proportion to your faith. If service, well, then deploy it in places to serve. If you teach, deploy it and teach. If you exhort, well, then find as many environments to deploy exhortation as possible. If you contribute, do that generously. If you lead, well, do it zealously. Deploy that gift. And the one who does acts of mercy 
do it with a cheerful spirit. See, there's seven gifts mentioned here. There's, of course, there, I've mentioned First uh, Corinthians 12, as well as a book of Ephesians talks about them. There are other deployments, but here is what he's saying. Use your positive significance, your identity, with a positive attitude and deploy these things. Get them out into the world. This is how you live with significance. You serve. You get them out into the places. So if you're feeling meaninglessness, if you're feeling a spirit of meaninglessness in your life, you're feeling like nothing is here for you, feeling like you're not getting much out of church these days, you're feeling like like nothing is, is challenging you anymore, can I just say something? Serve. Serve. Because here's what I don't find on people who serve. Yeah, I I don't know what's in it for me. See, people who serve get far more out of it than what they give. People who serve start seeing the movement of God through their lives. It's exactly how God is. God's not made us as marionette puppets where he works all the strings and we're not involved at all in the process. He, he puts his spirit in us to empower us so that we're actually used by him into significance when we serve. Deploy those gifts. You see, serving is the prescription for selfishness. Serving grows eternal significance in us. And that's why here at Fellowship, we will serve. Everyone will serve. We're not here to be served. We're here to serve. And from our children to our students to our adult ministries, if you neglect serving you neglect significance. And I'll just, let me just give you a personal testimony on it. I have seen my kids grow in significance at every stage of their lives. Because when we moved here, my kids were two years old, five years old, and six years old. And so I've gotten to see through their involvement in serving how much it's radically transformed their lives. See, fellowship called them into serving when they were children. They were serving other children. They were serving outside of this church. When they, I remember uh, Nathan would go over to a retirement home here and would um, would play checkers with a guy, and he got to meet the guy, and he wrote him notes of encouragement. And Nathan came back just going, "Wow, this is awesome! I love serving." And then I saw my two oldest boys go to Camp Barnabas and serve serve uh, for 23 out of 24 hours a day. They served children and their students, peers, who had cerebral palsy. They had broken bodies, but sharp minds. And, and they, they started, you know, feeding them and changing them and putting them to bed and dressing them. And I saw how serving him, giving up themselves to serve others, started changing their lives. I've seen them being involved in Young Life. I've seen them in, involved in our Super Kids Super Camp program where leadership, they got to use their skills in leadership. I see, saw them lead Bible studies. And I go down there and I just go, this is awesome. And you know what? They felt more and more significant the more they were serving. And so do I. And so can you. Significance is when we're brought into service to the king. And that's why everyone here needs to be in the game of service. We're not going to be a church that watches God work. We're going to be a church that is involved with God as he works. 
And we have a goal of 50% serving inside this church and 50% serving outside this church. Do you know why we do that? Because there's no way we could or should have everyone employed inside this church. We're not here just to serve ourselves. So when you serve in the nursery, you're one side serving inside and you are a blessing. I'll tell you, I've talked to so many mothers who have not spoken to adults all week and they put their child in the nursery to someone who's going to love that child and begin to pray over that child and encourage that child in their walk with Christ. And they can come in here and interact with the word of God and worship without distraction. See, that's a ministry inside of our church. And that could never happen if people just didn't give up a service to go and serve. And then I see people in the Highcrest community through NetReach. And I talk to people who are involved in Young Life. Or I talk to people who are involved in the bridge and mentoring kids outside of this church. And I see how God is transforming their hearts. See, God has placed us here to be a part of something significant. And the more you serve the more you live in that significance. So here's the deal I want to make. If you're not connected into ministry, I want you to get connected into ministry. One of the quick ways you can do that is uh, to get involved in connecting point because that's the whole picture of your connection into ministry. We'll discover your gifts there. We'll, We'll help you dedicate your gifts to the Lord and we'll start thinking about how we can develop and deploy your gifts inside or outside of this church. But if you're here and you know your gifts and you just have been lazy and you've been been disengaged, let me just say, get re-engaged. Stop by the information center before you leave. Give them your name and your number and the area of ministry you have an interest in. And we'll try to connect you to that. Sometimes it's going to be a place where you go, wow, I, I totally see that. Other times you're going to go, boy, you just need someone to show up there. Yes, because when you show up, your gifts are going to come out. And we're going to get to know you better and we're going to get to put you in other places. But it begins just by an act of obedience and availability. I'm here to serve. And you know what I found? God always honors availability. When you just show up and go, how can I serve? Man, God says here. And after you serve there, he goes here. And your significance all along there is affirmed through your service. So let's do that. Let's just dedicate our lives right now to the Lord for his service. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us, for accepting us, securing us, and now giving us significance. May we be people who not only know our gifts, but grow our gifts through service. I pray for every life in this room that you would move it into a significant, an eternal significance, living and serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.